on. And we are recording episode, uh, what episode is it? 989 on wow. Tuesday, I know. Tuesday, November 15th, 2022 at 4.09 p.m. Eastern Time. And I've been uh, I've been thinking about our podcast all week because I've got uh, blue lighting all around this. You are the you are the blue light aficionado yourself. Um, but for all the new listeners, Aaron, introduce yourself, Doctor Williams. Excuse me. Uh, sound good. Yeah. So um, I need to see. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I've been practicing for 16 years. Um, and then uh, during the pandemic, was involved in uh, some leadership roles within a hospital system. And came across uh, while we were looking for other UV um, wands and what have you to kind of sterilize, not sterilize, excuse me, to disinfect some of our equipment and, you know, N95 masks and whatnot. Had come across this uh, different kind of UV light for disinfection that's actually safe to be around humans versus in the HVAC systems. And um, so I've been kind of working with that for a while and also, you know, just uh, uh, looking at all the different things uh, that we've been prescribed for this pandemic and, and looking at the actual evidence and the strength of the evidence behind all of them. So that ultimately led uh, me to getting on Tommy's show sometime. Back. Everybody has a long winding journey that ends, that culminates with them on my show. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Um, And like I told you last time, so I'd actually seen some of the blue lights on on a plane this past summer and then the airport i think specifically in denver um this is kind of what we were getting into last time about it being adopted more widely is that correct yeah yeah absolutely and you know and some of that with the lights uh, they tend to be more a little more on the purple side of the blue because they're ultraviolet but it's uh all all close um those tend to be usually the upper room um that they're using in those those airports and such which is great because it's actually good technology. We should have been using it this whole time, honestly. Uh, people have been advocating it for even for bioweapons defense uh, for over 20 years. Um, and we've been using all this for over 80 years. That said, um, you know, getting the more widespread implementation of the new kind of the Krypton is definitely, it, it's coming along a little bit better, but it is really hard and interesting how hard it is to break through. You'd think some, you know, the, the community, public would be begging for something uh, similar to this that's safe and just kills the viruses in the air before they get to you. But due to all these different psychosocial factors, um, you know, it ends up going a lot slower than, than what it should have. We should have had these about deployed just about everywhere by now, to be honest, with the weight of the evidence we have. But on on we go. So what is it that you're doing now? Because I know you kind of alluded last time that this is something you're sinking more and more or a greater and greater fraction of your time into. Yeah. So we're working on um, the website that I put together, um, which is Krypton Lights, K-R-Y, P-T-O-N, lights.com. Um, 
Been a lot of work to still do on it, but also I'm trying to uh, do as best I can to work with some of the companies and whatnot um, to to figure out and decode, you know, why hasn't this happened already? So trying to work on that as well, um, putting together a lot of research regarding basically every single study that's been done. I got uh, in news article, CBS News coverage of uh, Columbia University physicist David Brenner, one of the uh, primary developers of the technology and, and um uh, trying to put that all together, I got about 250 pages together, basically everything in what order, and then comparing that to also what, you know, our rules say. Um, we'll call them rules, what the recommendations from the CDC and ASHRAE and other institutions that are, you know, supposedly points of authority for these things, um, how that all stacks up. So kind of similar to what I used to do with uh, minor league baseball prospects and how well they did in the show versus how they did on the prospect reports on the way up, um, but just a much more important venture, obviously. And last time, and my mom wanted me to uh, to compliment you on the thoroughness of your presentation last time. Um, oh. You kind of showed, yeah, she's a huge fan of you. She kind of, or you kind of showed that the, the widespread Im- implementation of it using oh. currently available funds. So it wouldn't even have to be a new thing. Yeah, no, you wouldn't have to write up some new bill and, you know, ask for the government to to drum up more money, anything like that, because most places are going to be covered. In fact, I was just looking at um, some different statements from the Treasury Department regarding uh, the infrastructure bill and um, the ARP, the American Rescue Plan. And what do these things apply to and not apply to? Of course, it's just bogged down with a whole lot of pages, but... I was looking into it for more specifics aside from the generalities, but for schools, <clears throat> excuse me, likely enough to cover every single school in the nation. Infrastructure bill probably has enough to do all of the airports um, fairly easily. Um, and, you know, the airlines, that probably could happen too. And that could happen quite easily regardless. I mean, with the, with the, uh, with their company's money and what have you, and also the fact that Boeing already can vouch for this to, to a good degree, if they've been studying it and put it on their Boeing Echo demonstrators in 2019 and this year, 2022, um, you know, it's just, you know, how do you, how do you make that breakthrough? But uh, yeah, it's all ready and ready and available. So what, what is then what, like, what is the, what's the holdup? If I, if, if that's the right word. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I spend a lot of my time trying to figure out and piece out. And I think I've got a pretty good beat on it now in terms of getting it, um, getting past all those, that's sometimes a bigger hurdle. But the main things are apparently we're always this way. Humans, uh, the scientific community, always this way. Um, Really slow to adopt things. You know, I think we're always kind of of the mindset, at least I have been, that anytime something new and amazing comes out that people just get it. And Mm -hmm. it's like, we want it, and then boom, it's everywhere. But if you actually do a look at history, pretty well anything that was big and significant and really changed the game a lot, uh, you know, what they like to call lately, you know, disruptive technology, for instance, it's always been met with resistance. Slow rolled. In in one way or another. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the biggest things, um, you know, when you have so much authority that is laid upon certain institutions and anything that comes outside of that by its very nature is discounted out of hand without any critical thought. 
Um, that's one of the other big pieces. And then the additionally, then when you're also talking about killing something you're scared of in the air with something you're also kind of scared of the UV light, that's also a hurdle in people's mind, especially if you don't have all these stamps of authority all over these things. Um, and I, I think those are the some of the bigger categories. Um, and, you know, physicians don't know it because it's physics, not medicine. Um, and uh, not any of their fault by any stretch. Um, so, you know, we were never trained that way. Sure. So different, different line of thought. Um, and and this is my own. I have to be self-critical. Because it is kind of a it is kind of like a carte blanche statement and a, a, a shirking of critical thinking to, to just say, and this is me, not you. Uh, well, it's also corrupt and they don't want to use it because it's going to, you know, it's going to take away from their bottom line. And like, although that is true for a lot of, a lot of things in this world, it is also kind of a blanket statement that it kind of relieves you of the burden of citing sources. You know, why is the world this way? Ah, because the defense contractors and the big corporations, like you gotta flush it out, right? And you can, but I know for me, I am often quick to use sort of a, and a, uh, and you can't disprove it kind of thing, and it's a bullshit argument because it allows me to wiggle out of it. Like, oh, well, the world's fucked and people are greedy. It's like, well, yeah, but that's not. So, do you think it is more along the lines of this is probably the norm? I mean, from touchscreen phones to commercial flight, we looked back and it seems like they came out overnight, but it was very, very, it's just, once it's in the rear view mirror, it's, you know, everyone has touch phones. It's like, yeah, but I was a freshman mm-hmm. in high school. I mean, if you had an iPhone, that was, that was big dick energy. You know, like you had a touchscreen. It was like, dude, you can swipe on that bitch. You're not using a flip phone. And now it just seems ubiquitous because it is ubiquitous. But I mean, it was just inching forward. Is it that or am I just talking myself into a circle? No, no. I think that to some degree that is very true for the people who actually have heard about it. Um, you know, there's a lot who haven't heard about it to date. And so they don't they don't quite know. But um, but there's there's always some element of resistance to the public and the scientific community, period. And whether it gets to outright resistance in terms of a, you know, true conspiracy, people conspiring together to, to knock out some new technology because it threatens their, their um, you know, stranglehold on a market or what have you. Um, I, I think we haven't really seen much of that with the UV, but I did do a deep dive since you and I last spoke and did find a couple few um, different articles. One was back from like 2010, one was 2015 that was cited, and then just one recently, and I actually went and sourced out who funded them and what have you, and, and no surprise, it was the players that you would imagine, um, which is apparently a pretty common common tactic. I was doing some reading as well on Operation Berkshire, if you're familiar with that, um, which was supposedly um, the tobacco companies when they all got together in the early 50s to combat all the information that was coming out regarding the dangers of smoking and cancer and emphysema and what have you. Um, that was what they put together in order to create doubt and to muddy the waters and to not uh, let the, the actual studies and data drive a decrease, huge decrease in smoking habits in the country. So there wasn't much of that, um, but there was a little bit of it. And it's kind of easy to discount. It's really not um, too 
difficult to discount in terms of their arguments, but it really hasn't been much for the most part of the new UV. Um, there really hasn't been a lot. So to date, um, I wouldn't be surprised if more doesn't kick up. I mean, I just saw the first one since 2015, just in the last couple few months. So I think people are probably starting to take notice. And now all of a sudden, whether it's competing companies or it's some different interest, there's probably going to be more popping up to muddy the waters. The engine's getting churning. The beast is coming to life. It's but to circle back, man, that, that's why I have that answer, though, is like because every historical reference does turn out to like, oh, there's a handful of extremely wealthy dark powers conspiring against your best interests. And it's like on one hand, like you got to provide sources. But on the other hand, it's like it always turns out to be that way. It's always that. But you could also say they always get found out in the end. I would say a fair amount of them do. And whether that becomes widespread public knowledge or just to those who look to find it is is a different aspect of it, right? But um, I mean, how many people actually know about tobacco? I didn't know. I mean, I kind of knew that they fought it, but I didn't know they specifically put together a disinformation campaign, well-crafted, well-funded, well-thought-out over a long period of time in order to to combat, um, you know, any of the information that was coming out that was actually going to help people. So, you know, when they came out with a, a statement, it was called uh, a frank statement to cigarette smokers. The the joint consortium of them basically laid out what they were going to do. They kind of started to introduce some of their arguments and and went from there. But it went across the entire nation. That was kind of how they launched it. So, you know, when you look at these things, you say, well, how could they not want to actually get to the bottom of lung cancer and people dying and, and emphysema and what have you? And, you know, for whatever and all the reasons, it's not good. And you can't really say that it's anything other than horrible um, and that companies, cor- giant corporations are capable of doing this along with PR firms. I mean, the PR firms help them craft these campaigns because most of them are not, to use the word again, crafty enough to be able to really shape and mold them to where it's very convincing and it Mm. puts on a really good facade to the public. Um, The PR campaigns help enormously with that. In fact, that PR uh, firm, I forget the Hill and Knowlton, I can't recall the exact name, who worked with Big Tobacco there in the early 50s, did other things. And even up into uh, the Kuwait, uh, the Kuwaiti girl who was the daughter of the ambassador went out there speaking about you know the iraqis killing babies Babies and and that's right that was the same group who was taking money from kuwait it's so i guess so i should i should clarify my prior statement it's not that everyone knew that big tobacco was doing that i certainly wasn't like a hundred percent aware of that for most of my life but I have known my entire life. It was just as you know, it's like we celebrate the Fourth of July. You do Christmas on Christmas, and smoking's bad. That's what I mean. In that, like, the truth comes out, and you could argue maybe better comes out first because that's just something I was. I was born in 1990. I've just and everyone I knew knew that that wasn't some special. You know, I I, I had have a wonderful mother who taught us nutrition and eating healthy early 
And I didn't realize till I was much older that not everybody had those instilled in them. And that, you know, early on I was, you know, without even sports was just exercising because I knew it was good. And I do feel bad for the friends that maybe didn't grow up, you know, McDonald's was a once in a blue moon treat. And I now realize not everyone's parents were that strict with them. And so like, I do feel bad for them, but then something like smoking, it's like every friend I had a, grade above me grade below me different schools different sports different everyone knew Ooh, smoking's bad like so in that sense the truth does come out now about the actual operations to make it i've always known the stereotypical you know lucky strikes nine out of ten doctors agree you know have a lucky strike beat your wife whatever they did in the 50s i don't know but like no, I mean, I would I would guess I would say, no, I didn't know the official disinformation camp probably till you just said it. Uh, Operation what Berkshire. Mm-hmm. Isn't that isn't that Warren Buffett's stock? Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that there was I, didn't, I haven't seen any relation and not any slander and old boy Buffett. Yeah. Not trying to I'm not trying to get mired in a, in a legal battle with a hundred billionaire. But um, <laughs> but that's what I mean. And that that truth does come out. Right. Absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt about it because, you know, eventually there's there's way more good people on this earth than there are bad people who would actually, you know, craft Absolutely. and do these sort of things. Absolutely. And with that, eventually enough people are going to are going to break through and get the information in the public in a way that sticks at some point. And then the question just becomes, how long does it take? How many bad things need to happen in the interim? Correct. Yeah, I mean. Right. The truth eventually comes out that the CIA created the term conspiracy theorists. You eventually learn about how the Gulf of Tonkin like kind of actually didn't happen. Eventually, you you know learn that Dick Cheney stepped down from Halliburton and then took over as VP. And then we invaded Iraq and Halliburton and Kellogg, Brown and Root got the most contract. Like eventually these things come out. So although that is the plus side, you do eventually. Didn't it come out in like 2016, I want to say? It was a the- it was like finally declassified that like all the huge sugar processing companies like like Domino uh, uh, funded a bunch of scientists at Harvard to specifically draw up the food pyramid that we grew up with, with carbs being in the bottom of the and like everyone always kind of because at that point, 2016, people knew like healthy fats are better, like, you know, don't eat carbs all day. But it was a long time before we had that sort of smoking gun like. There it is. There is the actual thing from like 1959 where like Domino and Kellogg like hired, you know, Bob Smith and whoever at Harvard to actually put out bullshit papers saying you need nine to 12 servings of pasta a day and like never eat fat. And eventually you do see the the smoking gun. And again, it kind of seems like the truth comes out first and then the evidence of the the conspiracy comes out later and you learn that it wasn't just, well, they didn't know better because that's always a better argument, like ignorance, you know, a doctor in the 1850s wasn't malicious when they would, you know, put something in your mouth, you know, say, ah, wipe it off and then check the next person. It's not like they were hiding germ theory from you. They didn't know. They actually didn't know. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of, that's kind of acceptable, right? If you actually didn't know, but when they do know better, that is what comes out much later. So truth comes out first and then evidence of a conspiracy. But that still doesn't make it better because you took the words out of my mouth and you said a lot of bad still happens. That's why the truth comes out is because you tell enough people that one plus one is three. 
you're eventually going to see the effects in society. You're going to see it with engineers, and then you're going to see buildings falling apart. Planes aren't going to be falling out of the sky because the fundamental math is incorrect. A lot of people do. There is a price. A lot of people get sacrificed for the truth to come out. So to kind of put this in a neat bow, you seem to already be sniffing out, like, let's not go through this whole 50-year BS process. They're starting to put the articles, or you're at least starting to find the articles now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with the, you know, the germ theory stuff, you know, as we were, I think, alluded to last time, Semmelweis, it was 20 years, 20 years Uh until they accepted handwashing, despite clear evidence right in front of their face. And, you know, he eventually just kind of went nuts, not in a true sense, I don't think he got committed when he probably shouldn't have been. But in terms of, you know, rather than just presenting at a conference about his findings, he started saying, basically, you're all murderers who aren't listening to me and who won't use this evidence and, and apply this to your patients. You know, you're all murdering people, murdering them, because now you know. Now, yeah. now, before they didn't, but now you know. And so it took them 20 years, 20 years. And with the water uh, disinfection stuff, that took probably around 10 years or so. Might have had a shorter window because of the fact that they had brought it up maybe 1904, if I remember correctly, from the book. 1904, they had brought it up at some of the conferences of industrial hygienists and people who governed kind of water treatment plants and what have you back then. Uh, and it wasn't until 1908, 1909, where they were able to break through. But that was through the fighting in the courts against the heads of MIT. So that one had a little bit um, shorter course. Um, but, you know, everyone was still basically slow to adopt these things until you see it work. So it's like a non sequitur. They're like, until we see the evidence, it just isn't real. You're like, well, we can't show you the evidence until we use it. Hmm. And so you just end up in this, you know, in this little cycle. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, kind of what I saw, um, when I did the, the looks into these different studies. Now to put it in perspective, the studies supporting you know, uh, 222 nanometer bar UVC, um, krypton lighting, you know, krypton chloride, if I'm being very specific, that lighting, it, it, there's probably, gosh, 50 plus studies. I'd have to look back at my, my charting to do it, but there's many, many studies, dozens of studies supporting its use and its safety and everything else. There's only like three, actually two, if you're talking about the far UVC, compared to the old one the 2010 kind of inf- uh, it, it was definitely an attack article was on the upper room the old kind where it was just shining across the top of the room the kind that can harm you that's why it's up there mm-hmm. like in your hvac so that one was truly one but there hasn't been a big scope of them otherwise to date but really it's only been ready for the last two years and with the pandemic era we're living through we've been told about it since 03 you know, SARS comes out, SARS-1 comes out in 03, and it's on the cover of the Newsweeks mm-hmm. and the Times and the whatever. I remember that. I was, you know, I was in med school. I wasn't paying attention back then. But to, to that part of it anyway, um, specifically, um, to what was coming out in media. But since that point in time, I mean, now we're, we're 20 years in, and all they tell us is there's going to be an acceleration due to climate change and, you know, temperature change and more zoonotic diseases, i.e. infections, jumping from animals to humans. 
stuff to, to anticipate. Now that we have this technology and it's been ready for really a year where we really could have reasonably said we have enough studies that, that risk and benefit are like here. And now we should go ahead and start mass implementing. It's probably been a year, but I'm hopeful that we'll be able to do this relatively soon. And to where, like you said, we can avoid um, all those mistakes of the past, because before you ever get to the disinformation campaigns from powerful interests, you're starting with just a public and or scientific community that's very resistant. And as they, they call it the Semmelweis uh, reaction or the Semmelweis effect, which is basically the blanket rejection, what despite any logic. Go ahead. What is it called? The Semmelweis Semmel- reaction. Semmel- can you spell that? Yeah, S-E-M-M-E-L-W-E-I-S-S. So it's for the hand-washing doctor. Oh, okay. I okay. I don't know. It was like a, a, like a, like a name. I was like, so what the fuck is similar? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah, what I was going to ask you is it kind of seems like it's maybe, it doesn't make them mutually exclusive or no, they couldn't be mutually exclusive, but it's not always a big corporation resisting it. There does seem to be, and that doesn't, that doesn't uh, wash their, no pun intended. That doesn't wash them of their sins of that, but there does seem to be a, I was just thinking as when you're bringing up like the water disinfection, that does seem to almost be like a human thing, like for better or, and you and I are probably guilty of it at some point in life. And, or if we haven't been, will be before we die or something new comes along and we reject it out of hand just because it's new. So that seems to be like a, like a human trade. Yeah, no, you're spot on. You're perfectly spot on. You know, I think we're, we're too used to putting things into a black or white, you know, yes or no false dichotomy camp, but really things kind of blend and they have different weights and they have different weights at different times. And for this, we're definitely way more in the Semmelweis phase for the, for the people who have heard about it. Um, many of them have heard about it are kind of on board with it, but getting people on board around them is in a bigger stretch, Um, especially if, you know, it's friends and family, or if it's just some random anesthesiologist you met someplace who's telling you about this amazing light, you know, imagine if like we were talking at Menards and I said, you know, actually we get these disinfection. It sounds, you know, Looney Tunes. And so that's, I think the phase that we're in now, you know, that disinformation campaign may well come um, as they kind of understand it better. But that said, you know, really comes to changing kind of hearts and minds? How do you break through? How do you change that pattern of normal human perception and behavior? Um, and that's that's one of those odd things that I've spent a lot of time kind of studying um, that isn't normally a part of, you know, medical, medical things uh, or physics even for that matter. It's not even a part of, it's somewhat a part of marketing, you know, when it comes to PR firms, PR is just solely the renamed version of propaganda. Like they yeah. say it. The guy who was the father said propaganda got a bad name, so we renamed it public relations. Their propaganda yeah. is saying propaganda. Yeah. And so, you know, with that, and it's all about, you know, shaping perceptions because perception then becomes reality. reality. Yeah. And then that drives your thoughts and beliefs and actions. And and whether you're asking, like, give me another shot, give me three more shots, you know, make them come more often. Um, or you're saying, hey, put these lights in. Uh, let's just get this covered before any of this stuff gets to us and we don't have to worry about it. It is all based upon your perception of the risk benefit along the way. I wonder if you studied enough of these cases, if you could find 
find the way in which they break because they do seemingly all eventually break the mm-hmm. the resistance and if you could accelerate that like um you know if you're a caveman or something and you observed winter after winter that like the ice melts in the spring like without failure eventually you would conclude that the sun and then after that you'd conclude heat melts ice and then you could build a fire and actually like melt ice in the middle of winter like you would eventually find the thing that happens and find out how to accelerate that or facilitate that i wonder if there's a common thing because i know with joseph lister he was like laughed out of hospitals he was ridiculed right which is a huge thing of rejection is you know laugh at you just literal laughter societal outcasting or ostracizing that seemed to be more effective than anything and he got through that and then i don't remember who i think it was royalty or like a daughter of a royal came to him with like a breast tumor and he operated on her and like she didn't die of an infection and there are the uh, anecdotes of like most members of congress using like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and then or you could say rogan with ivermectin so on one hand it seems like a way in which these paradigms break mm-hmm. is somebody wealthy who kind of lives outside of the system because of their wealth or you could say above the system and they don't give a shit like you like you can't cancel me i'm you know i'm a i'm a vanderbilt i'm a carnegie you know, does ivermectin work? Give it to me. I don't give a shit. And then the other thing seems to be once the big companies that are resisting it can find a way to get their fingers in the pie and cash in on it, then the resistance goes away. Like resist Tesla, resist Tesla, resist Tesla. Now Volkswagen, BMW, like Lamborghini, Jeep, they all have they all have EVs now. So it's resist, resist, resist. Oh, wait, we figured out how to make a battery. All right, yeah, we're in on it. It's better for the... And it's like... And it's not good. And that doesn't mean that we should just allow the Simmelweiss effect to just keep going on forever. But because we are where we are, it's like, let's work with what we... Let's go to war with the army we have. It seems like the best thing you can do is almost try to not just brute force go up against the onslaught of the existing powers that be maybe try to a learn from history or b or and or kind of judo it into like have pfizer make the light like and it's not good we shouldn't you know we shouldn't have to capitulate but then there's also realism like yeah japan should surrender but they're kind of not so we're gonna drop the a-bomb like we can debate it till the end of time, but we're here. It's August nineteen forty-five. This is where we are, right? And it's the healthcare system isn't perfect, but we have all these private corporations that yield technological breakthroughs. So okay, Apple's going to be worth two trillion dollars, and they make whatever. So it's I don't know. It's not good. We shouldn't have to bend over to these companies, but that's a much bigger hurdle to rearrange society. So it's like might as well go for like the least the path of least resistance. And I don't know what that would be. Would it just be you'd have to sort of hand it over to some huge corporate or am I being a defeatist? Or like, no, fuck that. I think it I think there's excuse my language. 
No, no worries. I think there's merit to it for sure. And your point about studying it to figure that out is is incredibly accurate and, and intelligent. It, it's a great, great strategy. And because you have to figure out like, why isn't something working that should be working? I mean, it's like diagnosing a problem, whether you're a mechanic or you're a physician or whoever you are, you're trying to figure this stuff out. And, um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily defeatist to think strategically about what is the best thing to implement for society, you know, do some of the spoils of the find of that technology go to a different party who's maybe been one of the historical resistors. Like, I honestly wouldn't care. I don't know who that would be right now, but I'm going to chew on that after this call and think about it some more. But that said, that is part of the reason why a good part of the reason why I've done this historical studying, because when I first got it out to, I think, about a reach of 100 and 50,000 people or so like a year ago, over a year ago um, through, you know, a different platform. I just thought it's just going to go. Yeah. And then it just kind of flared up and then petered out. And I thought, well, this is weird. Okay. I got to do something different. And, you know, what is it in society? There's um, you bring up a great point too. If you want to go back to history and, and that sort of stuff, so if you've not read or listened to the audiobook of Gustave Le Bon, The Crowd, The Study of Mass Psychology, it's a fantastic book. It's one of the kind of probably one of the fathers you'd say of propaganda, even though, you know, uh, Bernays was the self-proclaimed father of propaganda. But these guys were these guys were the leaders figuring out how do you I'm manipulate gonna make a note. I'm going to make a note of it. What was it called? Gustav, his name, Gustav, G-U-S-T-A-V-E, Laban, L-E-B-O-N. Um, and it was um, the crowd, study of mass psychology. I might have some of the words jumbled a titch, but you'll find it. Yeah. And um, it's about a four-hour audiobook, if I recall. And it, it's really fascinating to, to hear what they say about everybody being in crowds. And what really carries weight isn't logic which that kind of supports what we're talking about with the Semmelweis effect. We're like, no, no, logically washing hands showed this, you know, data, uh, washing our water, so to speak, disinfecting our water shows this data and it just makes sense, but yet you can't get the crowds to go with it. And, you know, what he talks about a lot in there is that it's not the reason it's basically just emotion and suggestion and also suggestion to the crowd from positions, yes, study the popular mind. Yep, you got it. And so it's it's the people with, quote unquote, he used the word very, very commonly, he said it's prestige. So whoever basically has the trust and faith and that, you know, that Harvard or that whatever it is, whatever that symbol to the group is that we can trust that. We don't have to, you know, as a group, we don't have to necessarily think about it. We don't have to dissect it. Like, that's it. Let's go with it then that is where that weight is carried. So if you're talking about, you know, Lister, I'm not as familiar with that one, but uh, say the, you know, the queen or princess or whoever it is who makes it through, all of a sudden now this carries tons of weight with people just in it. And maybe they were even wrong. I mean, they pushed things that, you know, they pushed pushed plenty of things that were wrong, right? Over time. Yeah. uh, Czar Nicholas using uh, Rasputin, right? Uh, I'm not familiar with that one, but I will say that he used Rasputin because he was like a mystical healer and he thought he cured his hemophiliac son or something. Oh, I have not heard that one, but uh, sometimes it doesn't work. It's a good point. Sometimes it doesn't work. 
Yeah. And, you know, and you get, you get something like, um, you know, the doctors all telling you that smoking is good. Now that kind of came later. Um, but you got doctors and all the people, you know, doctors, the FDA, everybody else telling you Oxycontin, you know, was good. Yeah, so it's it's it ain't addictive. You can yeah, it's not it. addictive. It's slow release now. So it works different. Um, so yeah, you, you get those over time where people are just trusting those authorities, which, I mean, you can say the same thing a lot about what's going on with COVID right now. And it's so cool when somebody like Rogan actually gets out there and puts out a counter narrative of truth, um, to say, at least in my case, I felt great after, you know, I had nothing to gain. That's the cool part. Yeah. People people shit on Rogan a lot for whatever. That's, you don't have to like him. I'm not trying to. Yeah. I'm not trying to, he'd, he'd defend himself physically and financially. He doesn't need me. He's a black belt and worth a hundred million, but that is, you, that is like, you have to give credit where credit's due. He, he didn't, that wasn't his product. He did what he thought was right. And I think time will show that he was correct. Sorry, not to, not to simp for Joe Rogan, but I mean, he had no. nothing to gain from that. No. And he, he ended up taking a lot of flack for it and what have you. And I hadn't really followed much of his stuff for a long time. But when I, you know, listen to him talking about it, and it's like, you know, he's giving better advice than most of the physicians out there in terms of COVID. And which is, you know, it's a sad state of affairs. But with him getting out there, you know, the weight of him telling people about this and also giving a firsthand account, which, you know, counts for something no matter who you are. Him speaking to 10 million people versus me speaking to 10 million people about say ivermectin it's going to come across totally differently and have a totally different impact so rightly or wrongly you know how do you utilize that for good um so whether it's like on my website what you what you'll see on the kryptonlights.com is you'll see i'm not like heavily focused on my website and the group of people that work with me and put it together it's like you see boeing you see harvard you see columbia you see these things because that's really who it's coming from yeah um, it, it's not coming and they have no official affiliation. Uh, some of those people I've never even talked to. Um, but the technology and the studies and things, that stuff is coming from them. My interpretation, the way I try to put it out there to the public is what comes from me. Um, but yeah, you use those stamps rather than, hey, random anesthesiologist in Minnesota wants to tell you about this life. Yeah. <laughs> it's <just only> good <laughs> so far. It does sound like a Nigerian prince calling you. I'm an anesthesiologist from Minnesota. Do you have a minute to talk about sterilizing light? Like, fuck off, dude. But like, yeah. no, it does make sense. Um, and again, it is, it does kind of suck that it's like, we really, we really still are, despite like our flat screens and fiber optics and self-driving, like we really still are just chimps in that like, you know, we have to have the trusted name. Who's the trusted, you know, you know, King Gorilla said he likes bananas, so bananas are good. And it's like, you know, it sucks that we are at this moment where it's like, well, Rogan said it, so I have to learn, you know, well, Tom Brady said get vaccinated, so I guess I have to. But at the same time, those are much bigger things to try to fight, like trying to fight private corporations and the idea of profit. Like, that ain't good luck. It's much easier to try to, like, judo it. And, yeah. Yeah, I think you'd have to study and try what is the inflection point or what is the turning point in all of these things. Because if it if it really does work, and that's the thing about all these uh, germ theory or mm-hmm. cleaning water 
or smoking cigarettes or high sugar diets. The truth is the truth is the truth. It's just not even like a like a fact. Like my name's Tommy, your name's Aaron. It's it's an actual it's a it's a scientific fact. It's it just it is. Mm-hmm. You have to be dead certain that it works in order to kind of carry it forward. Because if it really does work, it it will break through, right? It it will yeah. get through. So I guess you would, and you are a hundred percent sure. I'm not calling into question you. I'm just thinking, like, yeah, you would. No, have you to should. Say, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's, but you you get what I'm saying. It has to be like a hundred. Yeah. It can't be an opinion. Like I think my art is the best, and it's like that's art. That will always be an opinion. If you think your art is the best, that is an opinion. Versus like, I think this armor made of uranium is is stronger than lead because it's dent. It's denser. It's like that's a that's a physical fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And you know where I was in March of twenty, whenever I you know first came across this idea, I was like, wow, that seems like a really amazing idea that could wow that would change not just this whole COVID that's coming at us right now this whole pandemic that's starting this would change you know our flu seasons everything uh maybe not everything it's a stretch not you know STDs as we've talked about but that said for the airborne diseases it would change everything but then at that point in time that was where yeah we didn't have as much we had a good solid foundation and we had physics and logic at that point in time in 20. And there were enough studies, maybe even go with it. If you were really kind of wanting to get really, you know, really kind of take a little more of a risk. Um, But in those last, in the intervening, you know, two and a half years, the studies that have gone, I mean, there's been like 20 plus studies each year. Oh, I guess I, yeah, I actually counted up how many studies over the last 20 years were done on these different things. And yeah, the last couple of years, we had like 20 or more um, on this, all like positive, good studies. And so, yeah, that's where I am on it for sure. And where the studies actually say it is. Anything else that comes in or that came in from a recent study was like, well, we studied it on retinal cells and we studied it on these keratinocytes, uh, basically skin cells. And we found not this, you know, this DNA thing, but we found this other thing. And so it's irresponsible. And they use some really vehement language about how dangerous it was for people to be using it. Lacking. They, they missed all the other studies. They quoted the study from 15 that it had been fully disproven. Actually, it agreed with what 15 said, 2015 Wood study said that was funded by the Gojo company. Who's the Gojo company? Oh, the tagline is the makers of Purell. <laughs> Yeah, you can't make it up. And they were actually debating in this study, the Wood study, this is it's known within people who know about this, um, you know, this technology and the studies. It was it was to look at whether or not using hand sanitizer, you know, 30 times a day was better versus maybe just putting your lights, you know, these lights on your hands 30 times a day and just putting your hands under it. There's a whole discussion behind that. That said, who funds it? I mean the GoGo company. So God, there's yeah. some there's some poetic. I mean, not just not just a company. Like, sure, okay, that makes sense. Of course, yeah, that's what we're speculating is that companies are behind these. But a hand sanitizer company. I mean, Lister's just rolling in his grave. <laughs> like, it's just like mm-hmm. this is some like Shakespearean shit. 
Then, uh, yeah, the 2010 study was funded, you know, there was no conflict of interest listed, but underneath it, it's got acknowledgments. And acknowledgments talk about the funding from Clorox. Oh, God. So, so when you, and there's only luckily been a couple. I mean, that was versus the old, that was the old UV. Um, and they created a straw man. They said this is, you know, an adjunct technology, but not a, not a stand, an adjunct, a useful adjunct, but not a standalone technology. Nowhere did anyone say that shining the UV light across the top of the room was a standalone technology for disinfection of an entire room. That would be insane. That would be silly um, because it doesn't reach down everything down low. So that's silly. So they created the straw man and then beat up on the straw man for the better part of this really convincing deal. Uh, that was, that was very, um, it was very well done. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'll stop at that. It was very well done, but you know, Clorox is helping to fund, et cetera, et cetera. But luckily there's only a couple. Uh, it took me a long time to go through and document the changes in language, how they would use language here versus there and some other things. Um, it was pretty fascinating, really, when you actually look into this stuff about how, and you're like, okay, does it feel like there was an agenda here? Does it feel like just somebody just had their own thoughts and bias? And, you know, you, you can have different opinions on that, for sure. It almost seems like there's some sort of, like, natural law to, like, business that's almost from that of genetics and evolution or evolution. Yeah, evolutionary biology, yeah. Yeah, genetics, natural selection, subsequent generations, all that fitness. That it's almost like we always, you know, the common criticism of capitalism is that they're like black holes. You know, everything over decades and centuries gets aggregated to a few points of like hyper wealth. And then and then you kind of have an oligarchical, almost royal system that the original system was intended to break away from, right? Getting away from the king. And then 250 years later, it's like, we don't have the king of England, but now we have BlackRock, like Bank of America, whatever, you know, Warren Buffett. It's We have these aggregate systems. But on another hand, there almost does seem to be like a, a law of like replenishment, almost like genetic recombination, always getting new combinations of, of, base pairs to have new and unique humans in that the companies that grow strong enough that the next level is no longer getting the best product for the lowest price but rather blocking out competition and buying off you know new inventors buying little startup companies and then starting misinformation campaigns be it cigarettes or you know the germ theory or sugar those then kind of force a new company to grow up a new fresh company the colloquial like started in a garage like apple or whatever and then those sort of replenish and block out the new companies does that make sense yeah no it does for sure and i it's wonderful points actually and when i look at it you know from these perspective uh, the perspective of the light and also when these disinformation campaigns come up from what I've been able to study, I got to look into the, the food pyramid. Now, I think I'd heard an allusion to that, but I'd forgotten about it. So, and that's, that's fantastic. And that's one of those examples, if you can figure out, and what it seems to be is that once they kind of figured out the playbook, this playbook's been run, but it's in run in such a way 
um, through multiple industries that people don't, it's imperceptible. It yeah. always sounds good. It's always dressed up well. Subtle, and, yeah. yeah. And you believe in a just world hypothesis. Um, you know, one of the, the common logical fallacies is that, and you know, and that's a good way to live really um, to believe people are good and there's hardly any evil people out there. And we always get those evil people and, you know, justice is served and what have you. But um, the truth of the matter is that, you know, that they've got this playbook that they run and they run it pretty well. And I think, you know, with you get these PR firms and you get the people from, you know, Bernays and these different people talking about it. I mean, it fits and it fits quite well and it fits in a very distinct pattern. And, you know, they always kind of do it in that same way with those disinformation campaigns. It's how do we muddy the water? So if we can't buy it, deny it and or hide it. Then you get to the next stage, too, where, okay, now we're going to fight it some more, or maybe they fought it up front, depending on, you know, whatever. And then at that point, then muddying it up is we get experts on the other side to say there is no consensus here. And once you get that, oh, we don't know. And it's something maybe the public does or doesn't want up front. And they're going to stick with whatever that status quo was rather than the new thing, which they fought against. And you do that, then you inundate people with more and more information. So you really, really muddy it up. And, you know, with the light stuff, I mean, the study that I was telling you about with the retinal cells and the skin cells, it never reaches those cells. They didn't even look at the previous studies. They had mm. obviously not paid attention to the last four years, five years worth of research because they didn't cite, like really cite any studies from that when they talked about the safety of it nor did they mention that it physically cannot get to a retinal cell. So no matter what mild changes you saw, it doesn't matter. So either you really need a better team of researchers to go through and actually look at the literature beforehand so you don't waste your time and money on these expensive, probably DNA, you know, all these different DNA tests uh, on changes and, you know, uh, different dimers and things that are created, one versus another versus another. You would have just said, hey, um, yeah, it doesn't reach those cells. Test the cells that it can actually reach. But that's not probably what they yeah. wanted to do. And that's um, trying to recall the companies. That was out of Singapore. They get a, I don't know how much, I couldn't get breakdowns, but there's a decent amount of money that comes from pharma there. And also they had partnered with some people for the old school like kind robots that would go around in shopping malls and what have you after people left it and then they work well they just can't work while you're in there breathing on each other which is the huge difference so there was definitely some interest even though it wasn't as direct as you know acknowledgements clorox the gojo company <laughs> it wasn't yeah. that blatant but it was definitely there and the the fact that their study was just ridiculous to start it made no sense um so again another straw man created than to say, oh, look at this. And if you don't know that, how are you going to look at that study when they say, oh, it causes DNA damage to retinal cells? Like, unless you really actually have looked through a lot of stuff, you will have no clue that it couldn't even reach a retinal cell, never has been able to. It's like a criticism. It's like if there was a criticism that, like, the seatbelts in the presidential limousine weren't bulletproof. And it's like, yeah, but the outside of the car is like that. The presidential limousine has thicker doors than a 747. Like, no bullets are getting in there. You know, it's yep. the president's desk isn't bulletproof. You're not getting anywhere near the president's desk. It's that's a good point. Yeah, and but that's so, where you, that's where you see the malicious sort of cherry picking now. 
Yeah. So you look at that seatbelt company and you say, okay, are you trying to sell a seatbelt in here? What is it yeah. exactly that you're trying to Well, actually, I do sell bulletproof seatbelts. All right, <laughs> you asshole. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and hence why conflict of interest is such an important thing, whether we look at, you know, the stuff that doctors give. You know, they don't even let them basically give pens anymore from a drug company because yeah. that was such a huge thing. Well, that was yeah. happening while I was in medical school was when they started to transition, probably like five years before I entered medical school, they had like given you season tickets to the, the chiefs or something, you know, pharma, but, by Gerald, sorry, pharma by Gerald Posner. That's a uh, great book that will go through all of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Timeshares, cruise ticket, whatever you want. Hey, don't worry about it. Just subscribe Oxycontin. Yep, exactly. And, you know, they were starting to change that a little bit, although Oxycontin was rolling in as I was in med school, but that just tells you the importance of looking out for conflicts of interest. And it doesn't mean, you know, say these, these, um, for UVC companies for them, I consider it almost critical if they don't go out and push their product, cause it's going to change the world and it's going to save a lot of people's, you know, thousands, millions of people's lives over time. So, you know, if you have a really good product, they also will be saying it, but then you get the independent people also agreeing with it. And the science agreeing with it, which is where they are versus where, you know, other companies aren't in that same in that same sphere. And when you look at, you know, the different things that are prescribed for the COVID response now, right, how much money was in with, say, Fauci and company did they have in the board with Gavi? Did they have the percentage of the patents that were owned by the NIH of either Pfizer or Moderna's vaccine? But they actually own parts of the patents. So, but the public doesn't ever really see, hear that. And they look at that prestige of those institutions and then they brush off anything else that they might hear. They're not going to hear that in the mainstream, right? I doubt they put one thing out about it in the mainstream, unless it was some sort of muddy it up disinformation article. Other than that, they haven't heard. And it applies everywhere, whether it's your doctor prescribing you a certain new drug. I've seen that on TV. Or... It's something bigger like a pandemic response or whether it's, you know, your food pyramid, any of it. You got to you got to really look into it, which is sad, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it GM or Ford? Weren't they the ones that like saw the success of like the trolley system in San Francisco and New Orleans? And they're like, we cannot have this in every city. And that's like a huge reason I could be fake. I could be fake news, but I'm pretty sure that's like. Now, granted, you do have subways in a lot of cities, so that's maybe a moot point. But there was like such success in San Francisco that they're like, "The fuck, we are, fuck you are putting trolleys in every city. How are you going to buy a car? We need Model Ts rolling down every road." Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it by any stretch. I have heard some allusion to that in the past, and also knowing that they had a a, a whole slate of electric cars during that time frame. A whole slate of them, you know, they were, I don't, I think they, in the early 1900s, if I recall correctly, 33% of the cars on the road in New York City were electric. That's wild. Yeah. So, you know, if you own oil and gas, essentially, then of course you wouldn't want that. And so, you know, it would not be a stretch at all based on what I know now. If you'd asked me this two years ago, ah, oh, they wouldn't have done that and not that much. They would just have theirs is better. There really is this like, because there is this, I don't want to say conspiracy. I don't know. It's almost like this trope or this idea 
it's all kind of like loosely it's not a hundred percent bulletproof but it's like it's like this idea that like around 1900 is like when we should have had this blossoming society you know what i'm talking about like some conspiracies kind of allude to they tie in tesla they tie in like Einstein, like Edison's the bad guy. And there's like a ton of other names. And it's like, we should have had like this world by now, but instead we had this world. We had the introduction of like fossil fuels of every family needs a car. We have the federal reserve. We have like, we have this thing that, you know, like the whole Rockefeller system of like medicine of like curing diseases and never act or treating them and never actually curing them. And those always seemed like a good movie idea to me. Like, almost like a Jules Verne-esque, like, we should have had this society by now, but nothing more. But the more I look into it, it's like, whether it's like UV lighting or like electric cars and like trolleys, it's like, we kind of should have had a like much better world by now. But that really no point to that statement. Um, No, that, that's a great point. And also, you know, when I've done the studying that I've done, whether it's, you know, in the medical field or or other stuff, societal and what have you, it does seem like there was a decent, and I didn't think of it from that perspective of we should have a better world by now, but it seemed like a lot of these campaigns that really changed a lot of things did kind of turn a lot around 1900 or so. And then when you got past that, that's when you've got Bernays out there talking and also working with the CGI, I believe they called it, um, communications groups, something. Uh, basically, it was the propaganda um, arm of the government uh, for getting us into World War I and convincing the public that we should go to war across the Atlantic. And, you know, at that point in time, then they come out of that and then they're talking about, you know, propaganda, public relations, etc. And that's when you're working with more of these corporations and you're really changing a lot of things. And so whether it's, you know, overthrowing the, um, you know, government of, uh, Guatemala, um, you know, with Bernays and the CIA and the United Fruit Company, if I recall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. United Fruit, Dole. Yeah. Yeah. So you get into there and you figure out, okay, this is how mass manipulation happens. And once they figured out the playbook, and of course there's variations. Yeah. So, you know, as physicians, you know, it, anesthesia is a little different, but let's say you're outpatient, you know, medicine type stuff. Okay. You've got this problem I'm diagnosing you with you coming in. We're going to give you this medicine. You know, we'll go through these steps. These should work. If not, we branch off here. So there's some variability, but in general, there's a, there's a rough playbook. playbook that's going to work. And then you, you, you adjust wherever. Well, that's the same kind of thing. I think they use with it's tobacco, whether it's whoever they, they've kind of got a playbook now. They know what yeah, works character, public. character assassination the ostracization yeah there's a yeah good cop bad cop hegelian dialectic they, they it's evil but i mean it's it's ingenious like you kind of yeah. have to respect the demons for their playbook yeah and it's like what they're doing to peter peter mccullough now mm-hmm. you, know, peter McCullough. you know they basically couldn't do it at a different time and they've kind of got to try to do it slow and then under the radar and then, Oh, we're not going to take his license first. We're going to take his board certification yeah. first, which people won't see as as crazy. And then yeah. people probably won't call us out on it. Yeah. Um, and you, and you don't do it in a super public way and you wait till some news dies down. Everybody's sick of COVID. You know, this is how they kind of run it. It's getting however far you can get in whatever area. And I, I wish it wasn't that way. But it's very clear that when it comes to anybody with a different narrative on COVID, 
that all these things come into play. You know, they're crazy because of this, that, or the other. They once spoke on Fox News about this or whatever it is that has nothing to do with the facts of the conversation. Joe Rogan's a nut. That doesn't mean ivermectin doesn't work. It doesn't mean there's not good studies behind it. Hitler was against animal abuse. Oh, well, there you go. You know, do you beat puppies? If you don't, you're not. I mean, there you go. Um, yeah, if they have a play, but it's also kind of you can only use the playbook so many times before you do start to see it. And maybe not even like you, the individual, but like you, society. And now that doesn't necessarily work because generations pass and people die and new ones come up. So by the time you realize Gulf of Tonkin was bullshit, something else comes along and you're like, we got to go to war. So like, I, I get that. But there it is. If you just read, got to read history. You can start to see the patterns to the point where like, you now know if, I mean, if you're being slandered, attacked, censored with fact check labels, Oh, that's the answer. That's the truth. Then. <laughs> like it's, you know, it does kind of have that. Now, if I'm a businessman and I'm, if I'm trying to get UV or two, two, two nanometer lights, I'm going to pay Clorox anonymously <laughs> to slander me. And then people are be like, it must be real. That's some, that's some, four, <laughs> that's some 4D chess. I, I would start having people attack me. I'd have big oil attack me. People would be like, Tommy's <laughs> podcast has to be the truth. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's putting on the demon horns. But if you, man, if you wanted to play their game, that's exactly what you would do. Yeah, that's funny. That's a great thought. Yeah, you'd have to pay them a lot, but you might be able to pay. Well, Gojo, you might be able to pay them less, but all, all the same. It, it has to be anonymous. You'd have to be, you'd have to go full. You have to go through the looking glass. You'd have to go full CIA. You'd have to, you know, was the line from the movie, black is white and white is black. Like That's what you'd have to do. Um, but hmm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, part of me is like very optimistic that like they can't keep using that playbook forever, right? Because it seems to just be so obvious when they say you need nine bivalent boosters. You're like, well, that means we don't. They're like hydroxychloroquine's the devil's drug. You're like, that means it probably cures COVID. Like, but that's also me, right? That's how many things have I, it's like, I'm, I'm 32 now. And although I'm younger than you, and you probably look at me like a baby, I look back at myself when I was 22, and I'm like, that guy is a baby. There's never been a moment where all of a sudden it's like, I feel like I know more. But I just look back at myself 10 years ago, and just like the simple shit, not even like groundbreaking. I would just be like, hey, if you feel like uh, you know this isn't the right person to date, then follow your gut. Don't date that person. Whereas 22, I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, aside from some flaws, I liked it. And now I'm like, no, just wait till you find the right person. Like, the, the come and go. But just other little things. Like, hey, if you don't like drinking, just don't drink. Don't give in to peer pressure. Who gives a shit? Just be your own person. But if I had said that to me when I was 22, I wouldn't have believed it. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm older now. And I can look at that. And by the time I'm starting to realize these things, there is some 22 year old that is still making all the mistakes I made. Right. I'm now old enough to like do whatever I do my podcast. I don't care who likes it. I don't care who dislikes it. I know what I'm doing. I know what makes me happy. I know, I know what interview style I like. I I'm confident in who I am. And I, I would imagine I've probably subconsciously forgot that I've not always been this person, 
that by the time I've kind of grown into who I am, there's a 16 year old me who's like scared shitless of not being cool in high school versus now. Like I don't, I truly don't care what anyone thinks of this show. I, I, it means nothing to me. Someone's like, I think your show's hateful. I'm like, fuck off. Maybe that just proves your point, but like, I, I don't care. Right. But I, there's never been a moment where all of a sudden I like you can't un, you can't really unlearn something. You can you can unlearn like this. I couldn't pass an organic chemistry test now, but like I would never get points docked docked off like a test now for like improper grammar. Right? I just I just know it now. I can never undo it. So, but there's never been a moment where all of a sudden it's like I feel like I just know it now. I just can't. Un, yeah, I look at a kid and I'm like, how do you believe in Santa? But like it's because I'm older now and like, I know it's not real, but I forget that it, there is, it's a slow, I get, the point I'm trying to make, I'm not putting it into words correctly. The point I'm trying to make is like, I feel confident that like, we won't fall for it anymore. So if like, you know, two, two, two nanometer light comes out and it shows to be just like a seemingly like miracle invention and they're going to try to attack it and slander, but don't believe it because it's true. There's someone who is, growing up who won't remember the pandemic that will be something that will be like their 9-11 i was 11 when that happened and in 20 years they'll be like a uh, fact checker said it's dangerous and i'll be like well, are you re retarded and it's like oh oh they haven't gone through that like growth and they will and they're a functioning human and they will and they'll get older and then their kids will come out and be like a uh, fact checker said that uh elon musk's rockets are actually evil and it's like no you idiot so i don't know on the other hand i'm like I'm not sure. I don't really know where I'm going with this. No, I, a lot of great thoughts. I think that it's an interesting thought, you know, just as I think with sports and, and with, with kids, they, they look, they watch the highlight reels rather than the, the low light reels of them doing boring drills in order to get really good at something, whether it's Steph Curry dribbling, you know, two tennis balls at the same time or doing all these weird little things these are the things that end up giving people the advantage. And really, if you glorify something like that versus you just glorify the end product. And so immediately all these kids try to mimic and get straight to the end product without all the other things it took to get there, without all the little fakes, all the little, um, you know, moves and counter moves in combination. That way we can get them off their feet when I go this way, because I've already mm -hmm. went this way three times, you know, and then I'm going to cut back or I do my crossover in a certain way. If you actually glorified the other part of this, you know, what would society look like? That's from a sporting perspective, but going to the point that I'm trying to make, if you go to teaching kids, when you talk about history, you don't just teach them dates and facts and whatever, all this bland stuff to regurgitate, you know, the years that this happened, because that's not the important part necessarily. I mean, it does have crossover to other parts of society, but you get the point that it's a very generic sort of non-really learning of what history is. And if you actually took and you raised your kids, so say, you know, people whose parents raised them to like critically think and to think for themselves and to question things, not in a malignant way, not in an anarchist way, but just like, just because you hear it from somewhere, even if it's from, whether it's a government, whether it's the CDC, whether it's whoever, the FDA, that you question it. And they were actually taught these things earlier in life. You know, then when you're 15 years old, and you've already know the playbook, how much impact is that playbook going to have on you versus yeah. you getting that rooted into you and not wanting to admit that you've been fooled, you know, the Mark Twain quote, right? Yeah. Um, 
I think that that might be one of those ways, aside from, you know, the older people, you know, noticing the playbook more commonly. So I, I, I agree with you. I think that, that uh, less people fall for it now. I think that's why there's so many people looking for alternatives other than what's been prescribed for COVID, right? So, uh, but I think that if you get it to the younger generation and have less mistakes, you impart that wisdom on them early, that these things are possible. Just be aware. Doesn't mean it is. Mm-hmm. But just be aware that this can happen. Whereas you normally wouldn't fathom a Gulf of Tonkin incident yeah. or the babies were being killed by the Iraqi soldiers pulled out of their incubators and killed. Um, you would never believe that somebody would really get up there in line and do that. I wouldn't have. Yeah. I would have had no clue. I, nobody's that evil. Nobody would really lie like that about something so important. But apparently that happens. Yeah. And so you teach them early. I think, you know, we might even get bigger. It'd be nice that if it didn't have to be through so much experience, yeah. <laughs> but you know, so it goes. Yeah. But I guess I'm going to kind of wrap up because like, like I told you beforehand, I, I still feel like shit. So I can't, I got to do a shorter episode because I'm just straight up a bitch. There's no excuse. I'm just a bitch. But um, I do think like the optis, optimist in me is like, maybe it doesn't take forever. Because it's not like it's not like my parents saw all this stuff and tried to tell me when I was a kid and I refuted it. And then I got older. And I'm like, Mom and Dad, you were right. Like, they didn't know. But now I look at my parents and not even through me. I just see them, like, not watching the evening news anymore. And they're just like, I think it's all bullshit. I think they're lying to us. And it's like, oh, this is like a pan-generational. Like, the idea that my parents, like, would start to, like, question, like, you know, I don't think the government's being honest. That's a sea change. I thought that was something that they would take on forever. Nope. Like they are going through the same changes I am. And so that's where I'm hopeful. And that I've seen people in all age groups be like the last five years has, whether they're 15 or like 83, they're like, yeah, five years ago, I would have said you're high. But like now, absolutely. Like Pfizer's working with the government and like they're, they're censoring Facebook. And it's, but unfortunately, I think, you know, it's like, what is it like rule books or safety, safety guidelines are written in blood. Yeah. I think this knowledge is written in blood. Like we are, we all, we kind of loosely say, you know, three years ago, I would have never known this, but now I'm questioning everything. A million Americans also died in the last three years. Like that ain't, that ain't nothing. That's 300 9 That ain't nothing. So it's like, it doesn't quite feel like 9-11 because 9-11 was huge and visceral and burning your mind, you know, very, people jumping out of buildings being burned versus like you've seen one COVID death. You've seen them all. Oh yeah. It's somebody in a bed on a ventilator and you know, beep, beep. And it's kind of, it's a little more abstract, right? It's like deaths from heart disease or something. You don't think about it. There's, there's two deaths per state per day in the United States on the highway, but you don't really, you don't think about that, right? That's a 36,500. Yeah. You don't think about 36,000 people dying. It's just like, Oh, it's a car crash with a tow truck. Right, it's kind of abstract, but this knowledge has been paid for in blood, and that's a million Americans, right? Wasn't it close to like five million worldwide? That ain't nothing, right? That ain't. We now know they lied about Iraq, and it's like, yeah, but after we lost what seven thousand servicemen and women and killed one point five million Iraqi civilians, and then even that one was just like the follow up to Vietnam, which cost us fifty six or fifty eight thousand Americans and five million Indo Chinese, right? And so it is written in blood. And I guess kind of having this realization now, 
it kind of is our moral obligation to talk about it and talk about like the wisdom that has been gained because it has been written in blood, right? When we are lucky enough that we weren't the ones whose blood it was written in, we got to read the writing. That's expensive writing. Like you had better write that down. So the next gen, because if you don't, it'll be paid for again, right? And then I'll just keep going and going and going. This is just some long, elaborate justification for my podcast. And that is why I continue to do these episodes or some bullshit. I don't know. Um, That's true. Yeah. That's a good thing to end on there, Tommy. That was very well said. I've not heard that that statement before about being, you know, written in blood, but uh, I think it fits very well. And it's very important for the situation and, and for moving forward as a civilization. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a good one to end on, brother. I, I make up every episode as I go. There, it is a terrifying tap dance I do every day. I have no idea where it's. I sit down. I'm like, okay, ooh, we got a bullshit for an hour. Um, uh, before we go, uh, for the next step, I would love to do an episode. Uh, if you can put on your uh, your uh, Professor Aaron hat, I would love to do an episode about the uh, the water disinfection, like early. Night. That's something I know nothing about. Sure. I don't know if you want to. I mean, I. Yeah, you've walked me through Edward Bernays. You've walked me through uh, Lady Columbia. I think that could be a cool episode. Yay, yay, nay, yay, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I put it in last time, but if I haven't, can you text me uh, the website for the lights and I'll put it in there? I think it's probably in there last time, but if I didn't, can you text me that? Will do. Fuck yeah! Thank you so much, Aaron. Doctor Williams, excuse me. Where are my manners? Thank you for coming on and. My 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 blue light studio, is it is this uh, is this an homage to Dr. Williams? Who knows? That's for you to decide. But I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know if it is for me, but fuck it, I'll take it. I'll take the compliment. Aaron, I love you, brother. Thanks so much for coming on here, man. I'll text you this episode when it's up. Everybody out there, God bless. God bless America. Stay safe.